0: The Car Guys Report, Informed Automotive, is up next. But first, take a listen to this other fine Opie show.
1: On this week's Free Kicks with Adam and Rick, we talk about how the coronavirus is actually affecting European football. When Italy's locked down, and then maybe when other teams are playing behind closed doors, that's a big problem. No France, no Spain you know the coronavirus is a problem. Uh, you find out more about that and all the other football news happening uh, in Europe on Free Kicks with Adam and Rick.
0: The following is a Tony Lozano podcast, an OPI show on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. This is the Car Guys Report, Informed Automotive. Thanks so much for taking us along for the ride. Certainly glad to have you with us. I'm Mark Vernon, along with Lou Costable, and uh, Lou is back from his assignment, as we always uh, call it whenever he goes out west to Arizona and actually has, I think, more fun sometimes out there than he does here in the Midwest, but... um, You know, Lou, I haven't seen you for a little while. We're in uh, the new year now, 2020, and uh, we were just talking about uh, some of your adventures out in uh, Arizona, and we'll get to that uh, shortly. Uh, About my most exciting um, adventure lately is, as you know, I purchased a brand new 2019 Fiat 500 towards the end of uh, last year, uh, partly based on the uh, good experience I had with my 2012 Fiat 500, and so far the car's been great, but dun 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 it's had its first warranty issue okay what do we (laughs) have nothing nothing major actually uh there was just basically a very minor um coolant leak i had noticed uh shortly like the day or two after i brought the car home because it sits out on on the driveway there was um like a not residue but just kind of a Evidence of something having leaked on the on the driveway, and at first I thought it because it had snowed recently, and I thought it was just basically some snow that had melted off or whatever. But then I started looking closer, and I saw a little bit of the uh, coolant. It the that that car uses the. the long life, I think they called OAT, O-A-T, it's a uh, acronym for something. It's the reddish orange coolant. It's not pink. It's actually mm-hmm. orange. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's like super long life. You don't have to change it for like at least 10 years or something like that. But a little dripping. So I called the dealer, uh, brought it in. Um, they said, yeah, you're definitely leaking from the lower radiator hose. And I don't know if it was the actual hose or just the clamp or something. And they had to order parts, which was a little ridiculous because I'm like, I don't think they ever changed that part um, although it has the turbo engine now, so that could be a different configuration with the with the radiator. So they ordered the parts. That took like two weeks. And I got it fixed just uh, a little while ago. And so far it's been fine, no issues. Uh, and, I, and I'm willing to forgive something like that. That's just a manufacturing type of thing where, for whatever reason, when they're putting something together, maybe it didn't get seated all the way or maybe there was a defect in the actual uh, hose. Uh, who knows but it 's fixed now, no issues, and i mean other other than that, the car 's been great, so um, i 'll keep everyone informed if I have any other issues but um, i 'm not expecting any I really'm not and i 'm really enjoying the um, the addition of the turbo on that car, it really. Makes the driving experience of that car much much better than um, the little hundred horsepower engine that I had in my other one. So, how soon does that turbo kick in? You know, I, I don't know what the actual specs are on it. It's not. It's not a twin turbo. You know, because I have twin turbos on my Mercedes, and that kicks in 443 pound feet of torque at like 1750 rpms which is almost just off idle so it's like right there i think this one kicks in probably i want to say maybe 2500 or 3000 but uh you feel it right away though because it's a small engine so it's got to rev a lot anyway it's a a higher revving engine so um you know, I don't know if I really believe anymore in turbo lag because the turbos these days are so efficient and they're so small and they spool up pretty quickly. There might be just a little bit of it, but it's made a big difference in the way the car responds and it just makes it a lot more fun to drive. Not that my other one wasn't fun to drive. That's the thing I really like about the 500 is their blast to drive. So, um, so that's rolling along well. Um, about the only car, since we're still in the throes of winter here in uh, the Midwest that I saw on the road, and actually I saw this car twice about a week apart um actually fairly close to the car guys report warehouse uh 68 silver mustang resto mod uh, we actually had a break in the weather a, a few weeks ago and uh, apparently this uh, gentleman was uh, bringing his car out in the nice weather so uh it was nice to see that one uh on the road it's always nice to see a a classic car tooling around uh, you know in a on a December, January, February day, uh, even if the weather's nice because at least somebody's getting it out and, and enjoying it a little bit. But of course um, if we could get the um, abbreviated um, uh, edited version of your adventures in in Arizona, Lou uh, obviously we don't have to wait for the weather to clear up out there because it's pretty much nice all the time out there. You were busy uh, videotaping a bunch of cars for My Car Story with Lou your YouTube channel and you were just uh, regaling me with a couple of the things that uh, you had um, videotaped and actually got to drive, not even just ride in, but actually drive. So if you could let us know a little bit about some of the highlights there, because uh, I was enthralled. Some
2: some upcoming episodes, <laughs> yeah. as we'll call it.
0: My so, jaw was agape listening to you. <laughs>
2: so so I'll, I'll keep it to one day. There was the uh, car show day. So on the first Saturday of the month in uh, Arizona and Scottsdale, they call it the Scottsdale Mayo 101 car show, which I'm going to guess had 600 cars to it. I didn't even see all the cars. I was just able to walk through. But uh, some of the cars that will be coming up uh, in uh – in order of age, there's a 58 Scarab, which is a uh, race car. There were three originally built. This one, obviously, is a replica. Which e- I've, I think I've seen one of the replica
0: ones. But even and the it's replicas, a cool-looking car. Yeah. yeah.
2: Even the replicas, there was only about 23 of these made by the Scarab Motor Company. It's a
0: tube frame, right? It Just is like, a tube yeah.
2: frame, yeah. It reminds you of a uh, um, C-type Jaguar or something or like that. Or
0: a Cobra, you were kind of comparing cobra, it to. Yeah. big it engine actually, in front, yeah. tube frame, real a, lightweight, yep, tons a, of power. Kind of a
2: Cobra before the Coca. Yeah. Right. And then there was um, uh, an 85 Renault R, uh, R5 Turbo 2, which uh, looks like a Le Car, but the back end of it looks like someone dropped a stick of dynamite in it and the back end blew up. Which I
0: had a I had a Le Car. I had an 82 uh, Le Car, which is what they called it here. We did a segment on the on the Le Car uh, in the early days of the Car Guys Report. Uh, the actual model, though, was truly the R5. And um, that car that I had was actually pretty fun. I bought it for a dollar from a friend of mine who had three <laughs> of them. And uh, I had the big, yeah, you know, folding vinyl uh, sunroof on it. But the big difference between, obviously, the, the Lay Car and the, the R5 Turbo, too, that you... Videotaped is the turbo is mid-engine. It's got this, uh, as you said, a Kim Kardashian ass on it. Yeah. Nice and wide. And those are just badass now, cars. My they're wife awesome. listened to
2: the show. <laughs> I, I said some, I said it had a big, big back end to it. So yeah. they're
0: cool, though. They're very, very cool cars.
2: Yeah. I would never be looking at anybody's rear end other than, you know, the car's rear end. So anyway, um, <laughs> and then, then the, yeah. So then there was, um, a uh, 2017 uh, Ford GT, mm-hmm. the first one in the Valley. It was uh, Bumblebee colors. It was yellow. I think they actually call it speed yellow with okay. black stripes. And the story that the guy has in that car is... that's That story is better than the car, yeah. and that car is <laughs> tremendous. Yeah. But I was laughing, and I hope you will, too, when you see that episode. Um, the other one is... Um, uh, lastly, what surprised me—the surprise—well, I did a 2008 uh, Lotus Exige uh, X, or excuse me, Exige S 240, 240 being the horsepower on the car. But the interesting thing as well was I did a Mercedes 2020 uh, AMG GTR. Pro. Which so I you, said,
0: since I had the Pro, I was expecting it to have a big wing on the back and everything. You said it didn't, but it's got yeah. that big gaping maw of a grille in front with the big vertical bars, and it's just a really awesome car. It
2: looked like a, sn- a Mercedes snowplow. Or the, a the cow catcher it, almost. Yeah, the, yeah. It, the front end was so big. And the pro to the R is where the R is on the tail. There's a checkered flag that the R sits in. Okay. And if it has a checkered flag. It's the
0: pro? It's the Wow. There you go. And
2: apparently, only a 2020 version will have this. So, okay. So I'm currently told. So. My
0: coolest uh, high-performance Mercedes story happened at the uh, dealer that I purchased my car from. Uh, and this was probably about five years ago. I went in from, like, my first oil change or something like that. And they had two cars sitting in their kind of indoor area, not the garage area, but just kind of this indoor kind of semi-showroom area. One of them was the uh, McLaren... Um, Mercedes with the gullwing doors, oh, the, the yeah. scissors doors, they only made like I don't know, not that many of those cars. It was like the 7, I'm trying to remember what was the 770 or something like that.
2: And it had the exhaust right on the side, the yeah. Front wheels. Yep. yep,
0: yep. Yeah. Yeah, very cool car. And then they also had a brand new uh, C63 S. Uh, and it was the black, I think it was not the black edition. But it was like the five, five Oh three, which was like, kind of like your pro thing, like a yeah. little extra over the S and it was the 503 horsepower. And this is still the 6.3 liter naturally aspirated V eight, which they don't put in those cars anymore. And it was a car that somebody had ordered and they weren't sure if the deal was going to go through because it was like, it's, at that time it was like a 95,000, hundred thousand dollar car. And I remember it was, um, I don't remember what the body color was. I remember it had like this uh, alabaster leather interior, which was kind of weird, like almost white leather interior. And I can't remember if it was a Magno matte finish, but um, my sales lady let me sit in the car. She goes, hey, if you want to start it up, go ahead. So I'm inside, bear in mind, I'm inside this thing. Sure. In the car is inside. So I just, I hit the starter button and that thing just wailed. It just sounded so amazing. It sounded like a Formula One car, especially because it was echoing off the inside. So I've always had a thing for not only Mercedes, but any kind of their high-performance yeah. AMGs, and then you push it past the AMGs with the S's and the R's and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. They're just awesome. They yeah. really are, and they just sound so amazing. So I could see why you were enthralled with the uh, with the GTR Pro that you looked at. What color was that one? It was black. It was black, okay. Because I know they had that really kind of electric green color that you see a lot yeah. of them in, too, which is pretty cool. But yeah. black, you can't, can't go wrong with well, that. Well,
2: it, it's a car that... Um, I, first of all, I'm pausing for a second because the next thing I'm going to say is not going to sound very humble. But I really am doing a good job getting some photographs for the cover shots yeah. of these cars. And this car surprised me. In other words, I walked past it, and I couldn't stop looking at, at the, it. I, yeah. like, my head kept turning, and it was like, go ahead, Lou, walk to the next car. Lou, go ahead, walk to the next car. Was <laughs> going on in my head? And my eyes were going, no, I have to keep looking at this one. So it, it was just a really... Uh, usually you know Mercedes doesn't I'll call it you know captivate your mind when you say mm-hmm. sports car or, or, or Well the race GT car is is the something. GT
0: is a direct 911 competitor these days so that, yeah. and I, and they're definitely I think amping up the look of it a little bit making it a little bit more rakish to to kind of compete and and uh, exactly what happened to you turn people's heads yeah. and make people say hey that's a really cool car and that's a Mercedes Yeah I was I was I was stuck so it was pretty cool. Awesome. Well, we're looking forward to, uh, to seeing that stuff when it uh, comes out on the channel, and uh, you can regale us with more of your uh, Arizona adventures, too, at a, a later date because some of the stuff you were telling me about was, uh, was pretty cool. And, of course, Lou Lou lives the life. I'm telling you. I'm just here stuck in the Car Guys warehouse creating the show, and Lou just comes in and talks about uh, AMG, TTR pros. Well, that's and, why I come in, Mark. <laughs> I
2: try to, you know, give it balance.
0: Exactly. If you like what you're hearing on the Car Guys Report, Informed Automotive, be sure to tell your friends about it. It's available online at radiomisfits.com. You can follow us at Car Guys Podcast on Twitter. And, of course, you can email us at any time. We'd love to get your comments, suggestions, criticisms, praise anything you want. our email box is always open at car at hotmail dot com you know uh, we I want to make sure that people understand when they're listening to the car guys report that you know we we will talk occasionally about trucks SUVs pickup trucks because they're a big part of the automotive landscape these days, and we are increasingly talking more and more about electric vehicles, too, because they're undeniably, you know, coming in a big way. But I just want to make sure that every time we have a blurb on something to do with the electric vehicle um, arena that we're not – in any way getting away from the good old uh, internal combustion engine either. So I just want to make that because I've got a little blurb here on the EVs, Lou, and I just wanted to—actually, to, I found this very interesting. This is a I'm, piece— I'm
2: not—you I, I, know, 1 to 10, you're 4 EVs or you're not? 10 is yes, high. I have
0: is- I have yet to ride in one or drive one. I know you've been in a, a Tesla or two yeah. at, at the time. Yeah. So I, I'm I'm reserving my my final judgment until I actually— Experience one. I yeah. mean, I've looked at them, I've seen my car shows and stuff, but I've never ridden in one or driven one. So okay. I'm waiting for right. that. And I'm waiting for more of them to come out. I mean, we're, we're getting promises with all these new. Uh, EVs on the way, like the Mustang Mach E and and things like that, and and people I, are kind of collectively holding their breath, I think, to see what, what's I, really going to pan that out. They've sold out on those? The first edition or the launch edition, they sold out on, which yeah. is only like I don't know, a couple thousand, I think. But um, they're taking orders for the the run of the mill ones when they come out. So we'll see. I mean, that that's what I'm kind of looking forward to, to seeing. My, you know, my
2: point is, I'm not electric car adverse, meaning. No, I'm not either. You know, whatever, I, I, I find it fascinating. Yeah, whatever. You know, I here's here's where it started, slot cars when we were kids. Sure, those yeah. are all electric H-O cars, race cars. Yeah, I had a you know, awesome. You, I mean, I would burn the tires on those those little yeah, white Tyco tires that they had on. <laughs> so I was always kind of thinking, i you know, back in that time frame, I was always thinking, why aren't we doing this on the road? With you know, if this thing can burn the tires like this on my little sure, racetrack. Yeah. I was interested in burning the tires, so yeah. I
0: was like, I got to the point with my HO stuff that I bought those books on how to hop up the cars even wow. more. So I would sit there and I would take the uh, super the magnets. chassis and you, yeah, you cut out you cut out the sides of the chassis where the armature would spin around to give it more air, and then you get like either stronger magnets or double magnets so it even gives you more torque, and uh, then you, you I'd have the like the silicone tires with the little aluminum axles and spindles Mm. and stuff, and had some really cool stuff. I wish I still had that now because it's worth a lot of money. Yeah. You know, that's 45 years ago. But, um, you know, we look back and and think, boy, if I had all my matchboxes and stuff too, it'd be great. But we digress here, Lou. I wanted to uh, just talk uh, briefly about this is a piece that came out in the Wall Street Journal. I found it interesting because it kind of goes along with—they they didn't really draw a, co- a comparison between the computer, the home computer, and, and, and EVs, but you can see where I'm going when I reach the, the number three, which is cost. But this is three deal-breakers that have long scared off the EV curious, and they say that now these deal-breakers are starting to fade away. Um, General Motors President Mark Roos uh, wrote a piece for CNN Business that boiled down the obstacles to greater consumer acceptance of EVs in the United States from range— uh, range or range anxiety that's the fear of running out of juice when you're on the road and not being able to you know you can't Tow a to gas can and just put gas in it. You have to plug in and wait. Uh, ease of ownership and cost. Uh, global automakers are uh, going to be spending uh, an estimated $300 billion uh, for electrification and battery production in the next decade. And uh, because of that, uh, these three things that are long considered uh, breakers or, or barriers to ownership are starting to fade away. The first is range. The average range of EVs largely determined by their battery size and energy density has been climbing up about 20% annually for uh, the top-selling EVs since 2011. So about in the last nine years, it goes up about 20% annually in range. And uh, they said that Mr. Roos uh, noted that the top six-selling EVs all have ranges of more than 238 miles, um, which is good. So that that's the one thing that is helping to uh, to get people off the mark, I guess. Ease of ownership, too. If your EVs are going to reach beyond the garage-owning demo, charging infrastructure has to be convenient as gas stations. We all know that. Tesla's got its supercharger network comprising over 1,600 stations worldwide, including 741 U.S. fast charge—or— uh, that. Tesla has 1600 of their supercharger stations and there's a provider called Fast uh, uh Electrify America that has 741 uh fast charge uh Points in the U.S. and that that's something we're seeing. We're seeing private companies building their own networks and they're locating them in like parking lots and and various easy access points where you you take your credit card or you you can sometimes buy like a prepaid card and you scan it. You plug in for like half an hour to get you you know charged up. So that's something that's that's happening. And this company uh, Electrify America said it's going to have over two thousand units in operation by the end of 2019. So now we're in 2020. I don't know if they. Reach that goal, but they said it's going to be in forty, a total of forty-two states. Now, this third item that is considered a deal breaker, which I found interesting, and I kind of compared it in my mind to the cost of, uh, the cost of like home computers. Coming down as they did, you know, twenty years ago, or and or the the uh, there's that Moore's law where the uh, speed of a microprocessor increases at a certain percentage or exponentially every couple years, and that's kind of what's happening here with with the prices of the EV batteries. They said at the beginning of the electric car movement around ten years ago, about 2010, the average cost of an automotive grade lithium ion battery pack ran around eleven hundred dollars per kilowatt hour. And in 2019, the cost has fallen to $156 per kilowatt hour. So that's almost a tenth of what it used to cost 10 years ago. It's an 87% drop and a 13% drop alone from 2018, which is incredible. And they said industry analysts have long considered $100 per kilowatt hour to be the inflection point where EV unit production costs would reach then fall below that of internal combustion vehicles, which is interesting. And they're saying that will happen around 2024, so about four years away. And they say the connection between pack prices and affordability is convoluted, though. Nonetheless, the Korean conglomerate Hyundai sells or will soon be selling several EVs with 200 plus mile ranges priced at or below the U.S. median price for a new car, which is about thirty five, thirty eight thousand dollars these days Uh, they're going to bring out of course they already have the Kia Soul EV they've got a Nero EV and then they're going to bring out a Hyundai Kona electric too all in the mid-30 range and of course the uh, Tesla Model 3 supposedly starts around 33,800 but it's interesting that as the cost of those batteries go down as production goes up and everything that's I think to me the one of the key costs because they always say that Car manufacturers are actually losing money on a lot of the electric cars they make. At least they say GM you know, loses money on it, and that's one reason they're, they're so expensive. And those tax credits aren't going to be around forever either. So the sooner and the faster they can bring that cost per kilowatt hour down for the electric batteries uh, for an electric car, then um, you'll see more of an acceptance. But I just found that fascinating that those three things are pretty much the things that I would be concerned about and one thing we're not seeing, and this is a whole a whole other uh, standpoint, is, you know, are these battery packs really going to last the life of the car? If people go to get them replaced, how much are they going to cost? Or is it something that you would maybe kind of do on a periodic basis if they think the batteries are going to, you know, not last longer than seven or eight years and they'd they'd have a decline in performance. Maybe you could get like this battery swap out or something and it wouldn't cost as much as getting a whole new battery pack. There's still a lot of unanswered questions out there, but it's interesting that we are starting to see some of these factors starting to align, I guess is the way to say it. And, um, as more and more EVs hit the, uh, hit the, uh, marketplace, we'll just see more and more of them on the road and then we'll get more real world, um, you know, fact, um, data, and things like that—that's coming along. Uh, I had a question for you, Lou. Um, have you ever been to India? Not yet. Not yet. Is it on your bucket list? Well, or? I mean, you know,
2: if <laughs> if a, a sponsor is ready to uh,
0: pony up, <laughs> send I'm, you to
2: send you to the Taj
0: Mahal. You I am uh, a
2: <laughs> good fan <yeah. laughs> of all of my friends of India.
0: <laughs> Mumbai which is uh the city that used to be called Bombay and i believe it's the largest city in India they're going to be taking their vintage padmini taxis off the road for good. This was a, a story that came out from uh, National Public Radio earlier this year. Now,
2: why would they do that?
0: Well, they're doing that because of the fact uh, for a couple of reasons they've haven't been being uh, produced for a number of years. First of all, and we'll go into the background a little bit. Basically, the car is an Indian version of the uh, Fiat 1100 and it made its debut in India streets in the 1960s. It was manufactured in India by a local company called Premier Automobiles Limited and the car was named premier padmini after a legendary indian royal and in the 80s and 90s the premier padminis became synonymous with mumbai taxis they're usually painted in a livery of a black body with a yellow top and they say in their heyday some 60,000 padmini taxis are plying the streets of uh, mumbai and basically the reason why they're they're um Wanting to get them off the road is in 1991, India's government passed reforms along more private competition in the global uh, economy and in, in the economy. And then global companies started flooding the Indian markets, obviously, with other cars. The Padmini, which hadn't been updated in years, had to compete with modern foreign cars equipped with the latest technology. Therefore, uh, Premier Automobiles, the maker of the Padmini, suffered huge losses and uh, ceased production in 2000. So it's been almost 20 okay. years since All they right. ceased. And some of the pictures from this article, I mean, th- these cars have rust and they have dents and they probably have like, you know, 2 million miles on them. But um, they're also, uh, you know, they pollute. They're not, they're not fuel efficient. They, they don't have emissions controls on them. So they just want to kind of probably wouldn't be that safe either if they're based on 1960s Fiat technology. And they say there's only about 50 that are left on the streets as of now and um, it, the, the gist of this story is the fact that they're just kind of iconic it's kind of like our our classic yellow checker cabs that we were used to seeing when they were really checkers you know the car the checker yeah. yellow with with the, um, the checker uh, logo on it and this is something that people kind of just came to enjoy I guess when they would be in Mumbai they're just used to seeing these these black and yellow taxis or you said bumblebee was the term you used with the 4GT uh, so um that's something that's uh, going to be fading away. So I just wanted to bring that to. Uh, so
2: if there's any sponsors in India, we better yeah. get the out there <laughs> yeah. right now. <laughs> Let's see, we got 50 shots. But of you know that my car story you, on a, you know that somebody's going to be restoring these.
0: Somebody's going to be restoring these and selling them on Hemmings. So I'm I'm waiting to see you know, that I'm, happen. I'm curious,
2: what, you know. Maybe doing a video on a checker taxi if I could find one. What you know? What kind of response I ran into would, a guy. What kind of response would that have on the
0: channel? I it would. I think it would be very, very good. I, there was a guy that I was talking to about six years ago at the one of the final uh, orphan car shows that was held here in the Chicago area. Uh, it was sponsored by the Corvair Club. And this guy had, uh, he had like two or three checker cabs. And he had one that was in a movie with, uh, like back in the 50s, with whoever was a big star back in the 50s. I can't remember the exact people that were in it. And uh, he just said it's a blast because you sit there driving these cars around and people still try to like hail you down for a ride because they think you're a real taxi and you're not. Yeah. And I just think if you if you can get one of those, it would be a big hit on the, on the channel because it's just something that there's a lot of people that have, have grown up in the last 20 years they, would, they don't even know what a checker is the car or the checker right what, you know? uh,
2: what color comes to mind when you say checker cab
0: Just bright yellow or, or green, and, they, and, uh, and, green and 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 pale tan? yellow or tan yeah. <laughs> yeah but either bright yellow or or the green and the kind of the primrose yeah. uh, uh, color
2: I was curious to see if you were going to
0: say green and tan so well though that's what they are now pretty much. I mean the ones that you see plying the streets of of Chicago are the green and white ones usually. So, but there are still some yellow ones out there too. Mm-hmm. Yellow Well, Yellow Cab is the is the brand or the the company. Yeah. but yellow and checker. So, yeah. Maybe I'm wrong cuz maybe Checker Cabs were never traditionally all yellow and they were green and
2: No, they were yellow. Or they were yellow oh, too, yeah. They yeah. Were yellow. yeah,
0: they were and then green and and yeah. and and, and puke puke yellow or whatever <laughs> uh we're at the point in the show where we always want to talk about an interesting car that is either for sale or just sold uh, i tend to uh, scan online sources like bring a com, which is one of our favorites hemmings.com is another great place to uh see a lot of oddball stuff for sale and i don't know if you've uh are you familiar uh, lou with the laforza no it's an SUV that was made in Italy uh, yeah, in the late have a, 80s. It's uh picture of it. Uh, kind of looks to me like a, um, uh, do, a Honda Pilot it. or a Zusu Trooper. It's kind of squarish, yeah. kind of military-looking. A looking. Zuzu
2: Trooper with a little hood scoop on it. Yeah. But not a hood scoop you'd like, kind of a backwards hood scoop.
0: Well, it's because it was basically, you know, I'm sure, that, I don't know what the actual production was on those cars, but they didn't make a whole bunch of them. And they do pop up for sale every now and then. And the reason I wanted to bring it up is because,
2: it looks like a Jeep Grand Cherokee without
0: the Grand. A little bit, yeah. It looks a little stripped down. The nice okay. thing is, it actually has a five liter Ford V eight in it. Oh, so, that's not bad. from mechanical yeah, that's standpoint, yeah, it's, it's not bad. This one had just under forty thousand miles on it. It's got the five liter Ford V eight, like I said, um, and it's. Uh, on sale for $8,950 so just a little under $9,000 and my comment was decent pricing for something different because um, yeah. you don't see these every day you do see them every now and then I remember about five years ago I was in downtown Chicago and I actually saw one on, uh, parked on the side of the street and the guy that owned it <clears throat> was like getting into his car and I said hey those are really cool they're pretty rare and he said something like yeah and so are the parts <laughs> except yeah. for you know I didn't at that point I didn't know that it had the five liter V8 in it from, from Ford but I mean like body parts and switch gear and stuff probably would be harder to find but um, and I can't I think his was white but um, they're just kind of neat oddball cars and if you really want something that's quirky for nine grand you certainly could do worse than a 1989 Laforza SUV that is L-A-F-O-R-Z-A and if you want to look that up online you can google it and you'll definitely see what it looks like but just wanted to bring that uh, to everybody's attention. is Is it French? it's italian italian yeah okay yeah and that's why it's i don't i didn't do any backstory on on wh- who exactly la forza was but they have very nice leather interiors which is nice big big cushy smooth leather seats and definitely something that again you just don't see uh every day so they're out there if you're interested in the Laforza for your car collection I'm Mark Vernon, along with Lou Costable. You're listening to the Car Guys Report, Informed Automotive. And if you like what we're doing, make sure to check out some of the other programs that are available on the Radio Misfits podcast network, like the show Lasano and Friends. That's our friend, Tony Lasano. It's an OPI show. You can join Tony and his very funny friends for a casual, comedic conversation about... Anything or everything. Either way, you uh, dice it and slice it. Tony will uh, give it to you. On Lasano and Friends, you can check it out at the Radio Misfits uh, website at radiomisfits.com. You can go to opishows.com as well, or wherever you find podcasts, just search for Radio Misfits, and it will also direct you to us, the Car Guys Report, informed automotive. So glad to uh, have you along. Uh, one thing that I've been looking forward to, Lou, since we're in a new um, decade here now of 2020 Um, there's been some a lot of stuff coming up uh for the past uh towards the 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 end of last year and then a little bit into this year as well and and even though we record these programs in advance uh, we'll still be talking about stuff that happened towards the end of 2019 probably into about the first quarter of 2020 and one of the things is cars that are either being discontinued uh, for 2020 or cars that were discontinued during the decade from 2010 to 2019 there's a lot of neat things that uh that we can talk about and this is a uh, a list that came out uh, divided up in two because there's 20 20 or so uh items on this one this is 20 cars that have been discontinued in the decade the previous decade from 2010 to 2019 and this is kind of going in um in uh uh, yearly order starting at 2010. So we'll cover, basically today we'll talk about 2010 to 2016 and then 2016 on to 2019 and uh, next, uh, uh, next week's show. But the first one in 2010, and you'll remember this, and this is interesting too because GM just announced they're actually going to bring the name back as a model, not as a brand, but as a model under the GMC line. We're talking about the H3 Hummer or the Hummer H3. It was only made for four years, and it was kind of a, kind of an abomination uh, for the Hummer name. Basically, as I understood, it was basically just kind of like a, uh, a Tahoe with a, a Hummer body on it. it. It didn't really have the cred that the uh, H1 or the, even the H2 Hummer had. But uh, I know that GMC recently said that they're going to be bringing out a Hummer model GMC that's going to be a fully electric pickup truck. So we'll see how that goes, and they're obviously banking on the the, the the brand name of Hummer, even though it's going to be a model, not a not not a separate brand. But people still remember the Hummers. So 2010 seems a long time ago, because every now and then you'll see an H3 Hummer on the road, and and it's hard to believe it's been 10 years since uh, since that's been produced.
2: You know, I. A lot of people wouldn't know it, but an H3, actually, it's pretty decent mileage. It was a big
0: box. It was, yeah.
2: And and I say a big box. It was the baby of the three. There was the H1, the H2, and yeah. the H3. And the short story is they all got smaller, but they all kind of looked the same. It's like mm-hmm. it just... It's like you just kept squeezing yep. them and squeezing them. But I think it got like 23 miles to the
0: gallon. Well, it's because it had a modern, you know, I mean, even in 2010, it still had a, you know, relatively modern fuel-efficient drivetrain in it. Uh, and it, like I said, as far as I remember, I think it was ba- – I want to say it was based on the – either on the Tahoe or um, – uh, I don't know if it was the Tah- – I, I don't want to say the Blazer because that's too small. They weren't making the Blazer uh, at that time. I think it was based on the Tahoe, but – um I'll have to do some some research on that because we always like to be uh, accurate here on the Car Guys report. Remember the Chevy HHR, the Heritage oh, sure. High Roof? Sure. That uh, saw its de- demise in 2011. It debuted in 20, uh, 2005. They sold about half a million total. And since I've owned a 51 Chevy pickup, definitely... High Roof Heritage that had a lot of design cues from from the forty uh, like the forty seven forty eight Chevy pickups up through fifty three I think it was the, the ones they called the advanced design pickups those are kind of the classic bulbous fender uh, Chevy pickups that you see and that's what they were aping with the Chevy HHR and uh, that uh, was discontinued in twenty eleven the tw- in twenty twelve we saw the demise of the Mitsubishi Eclipse. And uh, that had a, a pretty good run. It had a 20-year run. I had a friend of mine that, that bought one brand new back in, I want to say, 89. And he went on to put uh, 99, even at least 20 years model. Um, but he went on to put about 238,000 miles on his Mitsubishi Eclipse. So they were good cars. I always thought. And they had, came in a lot of varieties, too. They front-wheel drive, all-wheel drive, turbo, non-turbo, uh, a convertible towards the end. So it was a... a You know, Mitsubishi definitely drew that out as long as they could. In 2013, the Jeep Liberty uh, was discontinued. It was debuted in 2002. And I said it was a relatively forgettable Jeep. Uh, in 2013, the Volvo C70 was uh, the retractable hardtop convertible that uh, Volvo made. It debuted in 1998. Not a real high-volume seller. A good-looking car from Volvo. And a little bit of a departure for a company, kind of like when Saab reintroduced the convertibles on the 900s back in the uh, late uh, 80s. Uh, they always swore they would never have made a convertible because they're unsafe. But... Uh, they felt the market wanted one and Volvo kind of probably thought the same way. Uh, and having a retractable hard top is ostensibly safer than not having a hard top on it of any sort. But uh, anyway, the uh, 2014, uh, the Toyota FJ, that was the um, kind of the, uh, uh, re- uh, what, what's the word? The retro version, modern retro version of the traditional uh, FJs. Uh, I got a friend who's owns one of those and the, th- thing about the toyota fjs if you look they they have just unbelievably high resale value i remember a couple of years ago while they're still being like in 2014 when they're still being produced they would retain something like 86 percent of their value after like two years or whatever which is unbelievable it's like the number one um vehicle for uh retail uh, resale value retention and i assume now that they're discontinued And they're kind of hard to find, and people like them. I would think that that resale value might be hanging in there, because Toyota makes a great off-road vehicle, and the FJ was kind of a quirky thing. And the buddy of mine that's got one, he loves it, and he's had it for a number of years already. So... They're interesting vehicles. In 2014, the Honda Insight, that was a hybrid. Uh, they brought the name back for um, Honda. They're making a new Insight in 2020, but it's not the original Honda Insight, which was a tiny little car. Uh, remember the Honda Crosstour, kind of an oddball car. It was kind of looked like a high station wagon uh, Kuhn SUV, it was just kind of this weird looking thing. 2015 was the last year for the Honda Cross Tour. Uh, I just said it's an oddball wagon. Uh, 2015, the Mazda 2, I said Yawn, a small five door Arcano box. <laughs> and
2: what, what, what was number nine?
0: Uh, the Mazda 2, which is a very small, uh, it's like the smallest, um, Mazda that they sell sell here in the States. And then 2016. The Honda CRZ, which was a two-seater uh, car they made, and it was the modern follow-up, in my eyes, to the 1984 CRX. Those were the tiny little, um, very lightweight cars that have actually kind of a cult following these days, the CRXs. And the CRZ was kind of an oddball little car, too. And um, it seems like these a lot of these Asian cars, especially some of the stuff that Honda creates sometimes in the, in the frame of like a CRX or a CRZ... That they kind of developed this oddball, um, you know, uh, following, especially after they're discontinued. I know the Honda S two thousand right now is a red hot car, um, and I think that might even be on the list for uh, next time. I'll have to. Check and see if it is, and this, and of course, too, these lists that we have here—they're not always all inclusive. They don't include every single model that's been discontinued, but they're more of the more notable ones, I guess, is the easiest way to say it. And you're taking notes, are You're thinking, "Hey, I should get one of those on the uh, channel and see what happens."
2: I, I'm taking notes. <laughs> I,
0: I'm uh, I, as I, I
2: ramble on, and <laughs> well, I'm looking at what I would still want to have around. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, the HRR was a hot wheel. It was cool. It yeah, w- it that was. Doesn't... It wasn't a real
0: car. It was you've got a and it was expensive. Yeah. So I remember it was like if you, and if that you, was on the uh, heels of the Plym- uh, Plymouth uh, PT Cruiser. It was kind of GM's answer to yeah. the PT Cruiser. So,
2: so that one, um, I, um, I don't know. But the H three, I could see. And you're right. It doesn't seem like that's been gone that long. Yeah, I mean, uh, you still see some on the road. Uh, I didn't realize the Toyota Toyota FJ was no longer mm-hmm. around. Yeah. So I mean I was a little surprised by that. The rest of them on the on the list
0: relatively forgettable. Uh, yeah. Yeah,
2: I, you know, I didn't I didn't have any emotion yeah. towards anything you said, so.
0: Yeah, the Mitsubishi Eclipse would be the only one that uh, yeah. uh, of the because that did have a nice long run and it was actually it was a good car. It really was. And, they, and like I said it came in a bunch of flavors. If you could get the one with the with the turbo and the all-wheel drive, and that, that was the car, too, that they started making. The uh, Eagle Talon, I believe, was the same car. And then there was one other flavor of the Mitsubishi Eclipse. I can't remember I think they're offhand making, what it was. They're doing but, some tuners out of the Mitsubishi Eclipse. Oh, they are, yeah. They're, I'm sure there's, just, there's a lot of that out there. And, there's a, and that was a car that they made long enough. There's, there's still plenty of them out there, so it wouldn't be an a expensive endeavor to find one and then just uh, modify the heck out of it and, you know, have some fun with it and then yeah. throw it away when it breaks and move on to other stuff but that's the first half of 20 discontinued cars from the prior decade 2010 to 2019 we'll get to part two of that list on the next episode of the car guys report informed automotive we're going to take a break we've got more brake parts coming in we always get brake deliveries here at the uh at the uh, car guys warehouse uh Car Guys Report Warehouse, Salua. We we go through a lot of rotors and pads on our cars. I don't know why, but the delivery man is here. We'll take a break, and we'll be right back.
1: I'm Steve Baskerville. I'm Howard Sudbury. I'm going to show you my doodle. (laughs) Can you see my doodle from where you are? You know who else? would Walter Jacobson would doodle, and his doodle one day was close to my doodle. (laughs) He, uh, so you've seen his doodle. Sure. Uh, <laughs> he's seen your doodle. He's seen my doodle more than one day. Back <laughs> to you with Howard Sudbury and Steve Baskerville. Back to you, an Opie show only on the Radio Misfits podcast network. Great talk radio isn't dead. It just moved to a better place. Radiomisfits.com. If you missed L- Los Ano an- L- or La- Los Angeles. Los Anno, and friends, here's what you missed. I feel like you go into a motel, you just search for cameras instantly. <laughs> that's got to be like your first reaction. Anywhere you intend to be nude, you should just check. I mean, you just don't be nude in a motel. Well, I no, feel no, like i would be smart. I, I should just not true. get changed or take a shower? No, no, I think, wait, but you're, I think you're missing my point. I'm worried that I'm not going to be on camera. Mm. I want footage of me. You're the only one who wants to be filmed oh. unknowingly doing something ridiculous. Right, because I would be curious. Wouldn't you be curious to see what you do? No. Yeah, like
2: just the mundane.
1: Right. That's how I spend
2: my time. You, sp- you spend four hours doing that? Why? <laughs> As you fast forward, you go, I'm not even moving. Look at that.
1: I am stationary for hours.
2: <laughs> I didn't even get up
1: and that bag. Just appeared on the mirror. <laughs> Where do you <it> come from? <laughs> Radio Misfits. Get more Losano and friends. Losano, Now on losano.com Good luck trying to spell Losano or whatever the f- it's called.
0: And we're back here on the Car Guys Report, informed automotive, Mark Vernon, along with uh, Lou Costable. Thanks so much for taking us along for the ride. Um, I know that uh, you have, uh, have you met, uh, uh, the guy that runs Haggerty Insurance, what's his name? McKeel. McKeel, yeah, it's an yeah. interesting name. He's kind of your bud.
2: Uh, <laughs> I wouldn't put him as my bud. He's a very nice guy. And uh, I've met him a couple of times for some nice conversations. And he's extremely, you know, I, I look at him as a uh, probably a business guy first yeah. and a car guy second. Yeah. But I mean, it, he's that big of a business guy that. I mean, he's a car guy. So. Sure. Well,
0: you have to. I think if you own a, a, a classic or antique auto insurance company, you've got to you got to be a well, car guy. But I've met car dealers yeah. that that own dealerships, and they could care less about cars. Right. They're just not car people. Right. I'm like, they how want, does that they work? Want, they want to
2: sell cars. Yeah. yeah. Now, McKeel's actually a real car person and a nice guy. Um, I've met him a couple of times and uh both times I've I've met him I've have really enjoyed my conversation. Uh he apparently has seen a few cars on my car story with Luke, so he You know he's he's watched the channel and and i'm tickled pink and it's nice to chat with him whenever i see him
0: the reason i bring him up is uh the next thing we're going to talk about here lou is a common failures on classic cars that uh, can or may leave you stranded it was uh, a list that came out from a haggerty poll that they did and uh, some of these uh, most of these are pretty understandable and i can totally understand because i've had some of these Things happen to me, especially with the uh, 58 Impala that I own. And this is in no particular order. These are just uh, things that uh, five things that can cause you to um, get stranded, either to or from a pleasure drive or a car show or whatever. Number one would be the alternator or generator. And I have had my generator go out on my uh, 58 Impalas about three years ago. I've had both the voltage regulator and the generator go out. It's not an uncommon occurrence on older cars. The generators just, um, they don't last as long as a modern alternator. My friend uh, Bill Kubik, who's been a guest on the Car Guys Report, um, he's got a 58. He's had multiple 58 Buicks, and I think every single one has had gone through at least two or three generator rebuilds in the years that he's owned them. Um, but I remember the, the generator light came on while I was coming back from a car show, and it just stayed on, and I was able to make it home. I didn't actually get stranded. But, um, so I don't know if the car was just, I don't know if it was fully non-functional at that point uh, or if it was just strictly running off of battery power at the time, because I was driving. I wasn't uh, turning the car on or off or anything. But um, it's definitely something that I have experienced before. I don't know the last time. I don't think I've ever replaced an actual alternator. In a car. Generators, yes. Alternators, no. Although they can be very expensive, at least on a modern car. Um, but that doesn't surprise me that a generator is a, uh, a common failure on a classic car. Another one, too, and this is another one that, that uh, Bill Kubik has had happen on his 58 Buicks the fuel pump. I have not had fuel pump issues with any of my cars, although I know my uh, 75 uh, Firebird has had its fuel pump replaced shortly before I purchased it, I believe. Um, they said fuel pumps are at the top of our staff's list of part failures. Loss of fuel pressure ends a Sunday drive in short order, and if your car doesn't have the fuel in the carburetor or fuel injection system, it can't obviously properly mirror the fuel into intake, so you don't go anywhere. But um, that's something that uh, I have yet to experience, although I have replaced a fuel pump on my Cayenne. I've replaced three fuel pumps there because it's got two in the tank and one high pressure under the hood. Those were replaced about a year and a half ago. And then I replaced the fuel pump on my Saab shortly after it came in from Sweden because it was leaking. I just did that as a a matter of course. Uh, Number three on the list is the water pump, the good old water pump. And again, I've witnessed water pump failures um, in real life. And they say it's the second most important pump on most engines. The fuel pump, obviously, being the first one. Usually, a water pump. If it's going to start leaking, it will give you a little bit of advanced warning. They've got those weep holes built into the bottom, so you'll definitely see some coolant dripping out onto the uh, pavement. Hear
2: that bearing scream?
0: And you'll hear the yeah. You hear the bearing. You'll you'll see. You can see movement in the in the shaft and with the fan. yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. But it usually will give you at least some. I would hope some. Indication that something's not right. You know, usually it's not just going to crap out on you right away. Yeah. Um, but it's definitely, yeah, like you said, it'll it'll be making noise a lot of times, and it'll definitely be starting to at least weep, if not outright leak. Uh, number four on the list of this five things that can strand your classic car would be wiring. Now that's kind of a an overly broad. Um, Definition. They're showing uh, corroded uh, battery cables, things like that. Uh, Obviously, the older the car, the more um, possibilities that you know you could have wire that's just decaying. Uh, The old cars in the fifties had a lot of. uh, They didn't have the modern uh, plastic uh, covering on the wires. They had cloth, and that can fray and get uh, deteriorated and things like that. And just. You know, over time, stuff just gets corroded, gets weak, gets broken, things like that. So, And those can be kind of hard to uh, track down a lot of times. Again, uh, I don't want to keep bringing um, our friend Bill up with his 1958 Buick, but he's owned these cars for so long that he's gone through a lot of issues. And he had a weird issue with his rear brake light that wouldn't always work, but then it had something to do with the turn signal switch. And he finally sorted it out and he told me what was going on. And I didn't really get it locked into my head, but it's one of those things where current was going the wrong way because something else is turned on and the ground wasn't right and things like that. So it's a 58 Buick, it is a 58 Buick. <laughs> so yeah, <it's, laughs> stuff's gonna happen, you know. Um, but again, a wiring issue, other than if it's like some weird thing with a, with a, Cable, uh, like a battery cable. I don't know if that would really leave you that stranded unless something really breaks, but it's hard to say. And then number five, and I will raise my hand and say, yes, I was the idiot that did this twice last year with my Corvette and with the Impala running out of gas. Running out of gas. <laughs> That'll leave you stranded, yeah. right?
2: Running out of gas. Well, it's your Corvette, and you're driving it probably like a bat out of hell. And, and
0: they're they saying, too, are you still trusting a 30-year-old or older fuel gauge? <laughs> Which is, you know, like the one on the Impala just goes back and forth, even though I had the sender replaced. It just goes back and forth. It's like, okay, well, is it it's a like quarter? Is it a half? Like it's like a, a pendulum. Yeah, it's like like an approximation. Pendulum, you know what? Like piano. It's
2: giving you the tune timing. <laughs>
0: exactly. You just never know where, where exactly it is. So that's why I just keep track of how much gas I'm putting in the car (laughs) and go, okay, I got approximately 200 miles in the tank, and then I'll just buy more gas. But it's...
2: To your 50s music tune, that's all.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, Lou, when's the last time you ran out of gas? Because prior to last year, when I ran out of gas twice, it had been literally like 30 years since I had done that. Well, let me help
2: you answer that question. Lou has never run out of gas. Mm. However... I have a few people in the house who probably are happy that Lou makes sure he jumps in their <laughs> car once in a while because the gas tank I will look at. Uh, I won't name my wife uh, in this one, although it's <laughs> yeah. my wife. You know, I'll get in there, and I'll be like, really? Like 13 miles? You didn't think stopping at a yeah. gas station was important?
0: <laughs> <laughs> now, and, and new cars have so many things to tell you that you're getting close. You know, the, the fuel light, the, yeah, the, the, the miles till empty. The, yeah, yeah,
2: but I mean, they... They have a they have a way of you know I get in there and there's always warning
0: you know yeah. it's like that's because oh they just want guess. you to buy the gas that's I, that I guess that's the whole maybe, thing maybe
2: that's it you might have just hit the the, yeah. head, the nail on the head yeah they
0: they want to be like just, uh,
2: just give the car to dad he'll fill it
0: up they want to be like Kramer on that episode of Seinfeld when he test drives a, a Saab Turbo and and uh the salesman is telling Kramer so you like to drive your car's friend your your friend's car as far as possible without paying for gas and Kramer says i don't want to be responsible for purchasing costly gasoline (laughs) so maybe that's the uh, that's the key there in the uh, in the costable household I'm fine
2: buying the costly (laughs) gasoline
0: if you uh, like listening to the car guys report informed automotive and we certainly hope that you do because that's what you're listening to right now make sure that when you listen to us on whatever platform you are listening to us Apple Podcasts Spotify iHeart Google Play Stitcher and TuneIn or right from the Radio Misfits Podcast Network uh, website make sure that you Uh, not only listen to us, but please subscribe to us as well. You get an automatic notification whenever there's new content, which is once a week. And also take a couple moments to uh, rate us as well. We've got some great uh, five-star reviews online, and we'd certainly like to uh, get a few more. So if you like what you're hearing, please let us know by rating us online. And the great thing, too, is when you listen to podcasts, it's listening on your own terms. Whatever kind of uh, device you're listening on, whether it's a phone, a tablet, a laptop, a desktop, in your car, whether you're streaming live, whether you're listening to it uh, delayed or whatever on an iPod. It's listening on your own terms. You can fast-forward, rewind, skip, go back and play, replay previous episodes, whatever you want. It's listening on your terms, and, of course, it's totally free. It's what Radio Misfits Podcast Network is all about, and that's what we're all about here on the Car Guys Report, informed automotive. Mark Vernon, along with uh, Lou Costable, we're in that... um, part of the show, Lou, where we like to play what we call the My Car Story Guessing Game. If you're just tuning in for the first time uh, for the uh, Car Guys Report, we'd like to let you know that of course, Lou has a very popular YouTube channel called My Car Story with Lou. He's got uh, 1,500, 1,600 car videos on there, sixty over 60,000 subscribers, so we're definitely talking about an established uh, channel here. You're not going to see, uh, you know, two shaky videos. You're going to see a lot of uh, professionally produced stuff. Three shaky videos. Three, okay, three. There, <laughs> there you go. Yeah, that, that's the difference between between amateur and professional. That that extra shaky video that we're adding there. And what we like to do on the Car Guys Report is Lou will give me three cars that he featured on his uh, his channel, and then I have to try to decide, not knowing what he's going to list to me, what what cars he's going to describe to me, which ones had the most views. So. so, so by the
2: time people are watching this, we should be at seventy thousand subscribers Good. and. So Mark has no idea what and let's be specific, None. this is completely on my channel, so another guy could video the same three cars and have completely different results, but on the channel My Car Story with Lou in numeric order. Okay. Nineteen thirty eight Packard one of one Sedanka Deville Body by Barker Super Eight. What's the amount of views on that one? What's the, a Sedanka? A Sedonka DeVille. Is that a right. Neil Sedanka? Well, kind of, yeah, it's a music song. No, it's, uh, this person was a whiskey baron back in the time. Uh, uh, I think Johnny Walker Red. Okay. And so he had a custom-built Packard okay. just for him where he kept his Tommy gun in the car and also kept a vault for his money, which he would, walk, he would carry around cash in his car with the Lalique crystal yep. hood ornaments. Those are so, awesome. So They're uh, worth
0: big money. I've seen them on Antiques so Roadshow. when
2: he's driving, that Lalique hood <laughs> ornament would be lit up, letting cool. people know. He's got booze. He was coming. Cool. And, and booze. Yeah. yeah. All <laughs> right. So two things. Wow. So that's the 38 Packard Sedanka DeVille body by Barker. Super 8 with engine sounds. The second one in numeric order, 1969 Plymouth Sport Satellite Convertible in blue, with a 383 engine, so kind of an upscale roadrunner kind of looking. And lastly, the 1972 Ford Maverick Grabber Ah, in lime green with a 302. Now,
0: uh, the Grabber stuff, was it black on that car or
2: white? It was a lime green car with a uh, black Hood.
0: Black, okay, but I thought the Grabber also had um, stripes on the bottom of the car uh, along the rocker panel around the fender wells, because uh, I know I've seen them before.
2: Yeah, the Grabber was the, we'll call it the updated Maverick version, uh, or the sport Maverick yeah. version, so it had a little hood scoop on it and uh, you know it was an economy at the time an economy car with a sportier engine not necessarily because sometimes they came with a straight the six the thing
0: that yeah the thing that amazes me is you hardly ever see a maverick on the road anymore and when you see them two things strike me is a the car's a lot smaller than i remember yeah. growing up in yeah. the 70s and b it's actually aged very very well in my opinion i think it's a pretty good looking car even today yeah. it's got it's got just clean lines it it's not um, disproportionate i guess in any way its reputation in
2: the 70s was more of a uh, you know this is something that is not at the top of your list that you want yeah so you purchased the maverick you know below that would have been a pinto sure um and and it didn't strike you as anything fancy matter of fact you might have been slightly looked down on a maverick but the people who had them, especially with the Grabber, mm-hmm. uh, and if they had a 302 in it, it was a pretty good car. Yeah. It was pretty fast, yeah. and people, people enjoyed riding it. So
0: I'm going to go. I mean, I want to really hope that the Lalique fender, or, uh, hood Ornament and the, the Safe and all those cool things um, would have drawn in enough people. So I'll go with the Packard first, the Grabber second, and then the uh, Satellite third.
2: Okay, so your one is the Packard, the two is the Maverick, and Correct. the three is the Satellite. Yeah. The Satellite takes first place. Really? 69 Plymouth sports satellite convertible in blue with a three, wow. three with 5,125 to used. me, that
0: just seems like kind of a, I mean, it's a nice car, but it doesn't do anything for me. Well, here's the
2: challenge. It was the Satellite. And the problem with the sports satellite is people would have roadrunners, which was the lower version. Yeah. But the satellite to pay the extra money, usually you'd have a GTX, yeah. not the satellite. Mm-hmm. So the satellite was in there in the middle. And for the person who had that kind of in the middle car, it just is really kind of unique to see. Okay. So uh, I think that's what drew, okay. drew the car. Uh, number two that you had was dead on. It was the Maverick with wow. uh, 3,413 okay. wow. views. And lastly, with three thousand one hundred and sixty nine views so not nipping that far at behind, the heels of the nipping at the heels of the, of the was the was the Sadanka. huh um, the other thing I noticed just real briefly on the Packard is I did a little um, uh, youtube's credit is that they do unbelievable analytics you can check everything from gender to, to ranges of age of who's been watching uh, how long they've been watching etc et etc cetera, et cetera. and the Packard um the, it was something like nobody watched the car that was under the age of 45. I believe that, yeah. Zero. And the 50% of the people who watched the car were 65 and Wow.
0: Old. Well, it makes sense, though. I mean, it's from so, the 30s. So it was,
2: yeah, so it was like the uh, um, 55 to 65 was something like uh, 40%, and it was something like uh, from 45 to 50 was four uh, percent. Wow! So sixty-five and up was
0: so that was number one with the bullet at Sun City. Yeah,
2: <laughs> yeah. So that was wow. That was that cool. Well, so, uh, the, so the guessing game will continue on the next one. We'll give you another crack. In, it will. Uh, yeah, like I said, it never on. ceases
0: to amaze me that how wrong I can be sometimes because it's just you just never know, and that's what, yeah. what the fun part is. And,
2: and you know, to your point, when I th- there's cars I throw on the channel, I, I say throw upload on the channel after I video them. And I will think they're going to be hands down favorites. Man, is was this a unique car? Yeah. People are really going to love seeing it. it I mean, I went out way with, out of my yeah. way to get this one videoed, and nothing. <laughs> yeah. And then there will be a car that I'll think, video oh, videoing a Maverick, and it'll be, get you know ten thousand views. Yeah. You're like, what? So, yeah, Interesting.
0: cool. That's great. It's uh, LooTube. I always call it LooTube. I, I think it's great. You <laughs> know, we should change the name <laughs> of it. Actually, we'll call it LooTube. <laughs> YouTube channel Loo's. Uh, My Car Story with Lou. That's the way it goes. My Car Story with Lou on YouTube. Check it out when you have a chance. Certainly would uh, appreciate you doing that. Coming up on the uh, next episode of the Car Guys Report, Informed Automotive, will be part two of our list of discontinued cars from the past decade, plus an Austin Mini that sold for an insane amount of money. You won't believe how much that's sold for. That's all coming up on the next episode of the Car Guys Report. I'm Mark Vernon along with Luke Costable. Thanks so much for taking the time to listen to us and spend some time with us. Certainly do appreciate having you along for the ride. Special thanks to executive producer Tony Lasano with opishows.com. Opi is hippo spelled backwards, O-P-P-I-H shows.com. Distributed by Ed Silha with Radio Misfits. Great talk radio isn't dead. It just moved to a better place, and that would be Radiomisfits.com.
1: The proceeding was a presentation of Opie Productions. Find our other great shows wherever you find podcasts, including OpieShows dot Thank you. This has been a presentation of Opie pie Productions.
2: Tony, can you shut up?
1: If you're a fan of the English Premier League, you'll want to check out Free Kicks with Adam and Rick. As you can hear by his accent, Adam is from England originally. Chelsea fan, if you must know. And he's also an expert in soccer tactics and methods. He's the director of coaching for the Illinois Youth Soccer Association. So obviously, he has some incredible insights into the game. Tune in every week. We're on the Radio Misfits podcast network. A Tony Lasano podcast, an no Opie show, and because it's soccer, We never use our hands.
2: Radiomisfits.com
1: And Friends, starring me, Tommy. And me, Kimmy.
2: And me, Sam.
1: Come meet your new best friends. (laughs) Hey, if you want to listen to our show, this is what it sounds like exactly. It's all about those conversations you can only have with your true friends. So come meet your new friends, Tommy. Kimmy. Sam. Right here with and Friends. Me want you as (laughs) friends. Radiomisfits.com
0: Coming up on the next episode of the Car Guys Report, Informed Automotive, we talk about giant dashboard displays that may be coming to a car near you, plus an Austin Mini that sold for an insane amount of money. I'm Mark Vernon. Join me and Luke Costable for these stories and more on the Car Guys Report, a Tony Lasano podcast, and OPI production on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network.